0: Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.
1: And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio show I'm your host Kim Otto. today we have a great show lined up for you we will be joined by Nate Clark who is Houston based strategy principal for Deloitte as well as Michelle Flieger GM of digital innovation and acceleration from Chevron but first it's time to bring on our editor of shell magazine David Blackman David welcome to the show
2: hey it's another beautiful day in Texas
1: it sure is and hot as heck right
2: Boy, oh, sure. boy.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of amazing because they're they're advertising, be careful. It's so hot out there right now. You make sure, you know, they, they want everybody to be aware to stay hydrated. It's that dangerous, this heat wave that's going on here in Texas. Yep.
2: I was in Orlando, Florida a few weeks ago, and they were having the heat wave there at that time, and now it's nice and cool. I was just, timing's everything in life.
1: <laughs> You're traveling with the heat wave. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get started with uh, you know we have some uh, breaking news between President Trump and Iran. Uh, it came up on my social media feed. What's happening? Um, is the situation getting worse with uh, the United States and Iran?
2: Oh yeah. Well, you know they they knocked a the drone out of the sky. Um, Iran did uh, Wednesday night in the wee hours of Thursday morning, I guess, and. Uh, you know, uh, a, an unmanned drone, but a drone that cost $123 million, was just shot out of the sky. Uh, the United States uh, has proof, apparently, that it was actually not flying in Iranian airspace, but was over international waters, uh, over the Persian Gulf and the Strait of Ormos. And the president, you know, has to decide how to respond to that. I know he doesn't want to get us into a shooting war with Iran. Um, but you know this is the seventh or eighth now uh, incident in which um, suspected Iranian led attacks have have uh, damaged oil tankers all infrastructure in Saudi Arabia and now shooting a drone out of the sky as uh, as their economy collapses because of u s sanctions and they're trying to apparently I guess all I can figure is they're trying to uh, bully president Trump into into releasing uh sanctions off of them and that that's not well, going that's to not work. That's not going to work. No, sure. it's not going to work at all. So it's completely irrational. I don't understand what they're trying to do, but the upshot of it for for our show is that oil prices spiked this week. Um, yeah. after after that uh, went up over $3 Thursday alone and it had already gone up a few dollars a barrel prior to that because of uh, resumed trade negotiations with China and the, and a big drawdown in uh, crude oil inventories domestically this week. So um, now suddenly the oil price that has been trending down for a month is exactly. kind of going back up again.
1: And, and so what do you think happens with crude prices uh, when, if President Trump decides to uh, retaliate? Uh, for well, Iran's bad behavior. It, uh, does it go even higher?
2: Yeah, I think it will. I mean, every time there's a, a shot fired uh, like this, you know, it's going to impact crude markets. Traders uh, trade on what they believe the market is going to do in the future. And if they, you know, the more shots that are fired, the more they believe we're going to end up in a war. Uh, and a war inevitably causes disruptions in oil flows out of the Middle East uh, through the Strait of Hormuz, which borders Iran, of course. And you know, so yeah, if if and I honestly, I don't know how, you know, President Trump is is a different, as everybody knows, a, a different kind of president. He is far from anxious to get into a shooting war anywhere. Right. I mean, the irony is he gets accused of being a warmonger. But the reality is he has his foreign policy. (laughs) He's a trade monger and his foreign policy has dramatically reduced U.S. involvement in conflicts around the globe. When he took office, our armed forces were heavily involved in seven different civil wars in the Middle East and Africa and all of that has gone away virtually we're still in the quagmire in our Afghanistan still have personnel in Iraq but it's you know they're not you know not involved in any conflict of any kind and we're still in Syria although that has been reduced dramatically and so he has actually dramatically scaled back our our conflicts around the world and he doesn't want to start a new one so but he will have to retaliate somehow uh, sooner or later and when he does you can bet the u.s retaliation is going to be overwhelmingly larger uh, than what iran has done to us so uh,
1: uh, yes exactly yeah you know he uh, well and you know the good thing is also with president trump uh the negotiations are back on the table with china so maybe we'll get some good yes. some good you know get on a good path with them and have some headway there let's uh drill down a little bit into more of the local area texas we've had some big news out of the port of brownsville getting yeah. its permit from the corp of engineers um to deepen and expand its main channel so tell me a little bit about what's going on there
2: yeah that's great news you know we need all the export capacity we can get exactly. uh, These, uh, the bottleneck uh, on transportation coming out of of the Permian Basin will be resolved uh, with new pipelines over the next year, year and a half. And when that happens, we're going to have a dramatically increased amount of crude oil flowing to the Gulf Coast, most all of which is going to have to be exported. So the more uh, port expansions we can get done uh, here in Texas, the better off we're going to be as as an industry and as a country uh brownsville does have their permit in place from from the court. now they have to do the hard work of getting the funding unfortunately getting the permits uh the easy part now they have to go get congress to authorize the funding and as the port of corpus christi and sean strawbridge have learned uh, over the past several years that is a very tedious and time-consuming uh enterprise and so it's a 350 million dollar project in the context of the federal budget it doesn't sound like a lot but uh You know, these things are hard, hard, hard to get through Congress. So uh, we wish them the best of luck and hope they have great success doing it.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, one of our partners, the Port of Corpus Christi that we love to talk about, you know, they have been working towards deepening their port as well to accept the big oil tankers yes. and, it, and they've been in the process of saving their money for 20 years so when it was their time they were ready and i hope bronzeville the same but i also want to talk about another announcement on the refinery Philip 66 is looking at an offshore project and if you remember we've had some discussions on traffic this uh commodity uh base company that is not from the United States, and I find it interesting that Philip sixty six is looking as well in an offshore terminal, but this one is uh, in in uh, Port Aranzas, right, or Port A, um, and this is a little bit different because Philip sixty six is actually from the United States. So I kind of think that this is, you know, we need them. Uh, I think the project is called Blue Water Texas Terminal, um, yeah, and. You know, from the looks of it, it seems like it's going to be a great, great thing happening uh, because we haven't had a refinery in, in quite some time. So tell me a little about your thoughts on, uh, on this Blue Water Texas terminal.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's another, it's similar proposal to Trafigura. Uh, as you say, it's a U.S. company where uh, Trafigura is a European country uh, company. Trafigura has had a very difficult time getting its federal permits in place. Uh, and also hasn't uh, succeeded in, in receiving its authorizations from the state of Texas for its terminal. Uh, it's very difficult. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to get those permits in place. You, you have to go through a very long and difficult uh, administrative process there with the Corps of Engineers and, and with uh, the Interior Department, with the EPA and, and a, a variety of federal agencies. And then you have to also get approval from the TCEQ here in Texas, and even the governor has to sign off on it. So, you know, uh, Trafigure has had a great deal of trouble getting that done. Uh, uh, There, I'm I'm not sure what all the details of that are. Phillips 66, I know, has had a tremendous amount of experience working the permitting processes with the federal government uh, and may have better luck. Um, You know, and then there's also another Uh, Actually, there's two or three other uh, Gulf of Mexico, you know, satellite terminals being proposed and trying to get through the permitting process as well. So a lot of activity in that regard here in Texas and and also even in Louisiana. So uh, trying to get ready for this big influx of, of additional crude coming out of West Texas
1: great well until next week in which we'll talk a lot more oil and gas and uh, shell magazines world until next week thank you for coming on the show it's great i'll look forward to it and with that we do have to take a quick break but when we return we will be joined by a nate clark who is houston-based strategy principal for deloitte as well as michelle flieger gm of digital innovation and acceleration from chevron and we'll be right back with more of in the oil patch radio show
0: in the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton with your current industry update. The United States had 969 drilling rigs running at the end of last week, a decrease of six from the prior week. Texas decreased by six rigs to end last week at 467. The Texas Railroad Commission issued 373 drilling permits last week to bring the 10-week rolling average to 287 natural gas prices remained the same averaging $2.37 per MMBTU West Texas intermediate crude prices decreased 51 cents to average $52.49 a barrel and gasoline prices across Texas decreased by two cents to end last week at an average of $2.39 a gallon. This is Ryan Sitton and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at ShaleMag.com.
1: Farmers and ranchers are the hardest-working people on Earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking, an all-new Viking Six, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled
0: in America, ranked number one in drivetrain durability. Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source
1: side-by-side owner study
0: remember this name oil field experts to locate any part anytime for your automotive or oil field equipment needs oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil parts for your fleet maintenance needs and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965 from the auto repair shop to the pump jack call us for the right part right now write down this number oil field experts 210-471-1923 again That's 210-471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
1: And we're back. You're listening to In the All Patch Radio Show. And our guest today is Nate Clark, who is Houston-based strategy principal for Deloitte, as well as Michelle Flieger, GM of digital innovation and acceleration from Chevron. Welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Kim. Great to be here.
1: Thank you. So it's always wonderful to have guests come into the studio because it's just so much of a nicer show. It's a lot more uh, questions and answers that we get to versus when we're on the phone. So I'm excited. Uh, But I want to go back and talk a little bit about y'all's specific titles and what you do, because uh, I'm not really sure I know specifically what you guys do. So let's start with you, Michelle. You're with
4: Chevron. Tell me a little bit about what you do at Chevron. In my current role, I am the General Manager for Digital Innovation and Acceleration. Most of my 19-year career has been offshore operations, petroleum engineering, with a, a small background in digital and IT. And now I manage the digital accelerator for Chevron. I am helping to accelerate our entire enterprise to see if we can move faster, move forward with a lot of the innovations that are around today in the digital space.
1: Oh, excellent. And uh, Nate, tell me a little bit about what you're doing at Deloitte as well.
3: Sure. So my job is pretty straightforward, which is for uh, I lead all of our efforts around digital for oil, gas and chemicals globally. And so that involves uh, directly engaging with clients to help with programs, but also uh, making sure we've got the right perspectives put together and we're helping the industry as much as we can.
1: Well, what's going to be exciting about today's show is there's a lot of, I think, people who struggle with just... They're very limited on their knowledge. I know I'm one of them, and they don't have million-dollar budgets and have 100,000 people working for them doing research. So I'm glad to see we have two experts in the studio to talk about this space here. So Let me ask, first of all, we've come a long way from the Commodore 64 to quantum computing. Uh, digital computing systems have come a long way. Oil and gas companies, they are on a fast track as well, it appears. Efficiencies, innovation, all these things really, really are coming to the forefront in looking how do we do business better as well as being, of course, saving money. Tell me a little bit about the advances that you feel we have made in the digital space pertaining to oil and gas on automation, profit and loss, competition. I mean, how does this really affect you? I'll start, Michelle, tell me a little bit about Chevron.
4: Well, I think what people don't tend to realize is the energy industry in general, we've been doing technology for a long time. We already have over a million sensors across the world collecting data. Some of them on a second by second, minute by minute basis. With some of the advances we're seeing in the computer technology, You can now make better decisions out of this data. You can use machine learning, artificial intelligence, all the things that you're reading about in the paper right now. You can actually apply that to the stuff that we're seeing out in the field. We've got examples where you can actually run some of our larger plants and facilities. Almost on, if you were driving a car, it would be like running on cruise control. Uh, If you look at one of the most recent ones, We were able to save $240 million a year just in reliability and increased throughput. So the data's there. It's just now suddenly we have the ability to analyze the data and use it to make better decisions, get better value. Excellent.
1: Well, Nate, uh, you know, at Deloitte, you guys have many, many, many oil companies, uh, service companies, I'm sure, are all of them focused on this? Do you see a huge amount of them focused on how are they gonna be more efficient, or do they, Do you find that there are some of them that are slow to embrace the revolution that's occurring in technology?
3: It's, it's been interesting, Kim, because certainly in, uh, especially 2018, I'd say almost every oil, gas, and chemical company we work with uh, was having a conversation around digital in some way at the same time, we certainly saw some companies making larger investments and putting a lot more effort and time into going so far as trying to take on a digital transformation to see how deep an effect they could have on their operations, and other ones trying to run some experiments. But there's none I can think of that haven't had at least uh, some attention to the matter. And I think that's uh, evidence of how big an effect it's having on the industry.
1: I think the other really important thing to think about is, and something that we don't really think about daily, is I think that The oil and gas sector, with it being consistently evolving and taking advantage of all the technology and, of course, having allocated a lot of resources in that area, they also have a secondary purpose, in my opinion, that's positive for all of us, which is the technology that other areas of businesses are using completely outside of oil and gas, but it all started in the oil and gas sector, and now everybody in the community is using it as well. So that's a really good thing to see that the energy companies are actually spending money in this space and it's benefiting. What is the difference between what was a 10-year-ago rig, if you will, drilling site versus now? I know it's efficient, I know we're saving money, you're saving a lot of money, but but what are some of the the things that you can really uh, tell me made a big difference for for you guys?
4: Uh, You know, for us, I think it just looks completely different. When I started in the industry, An oil rig was something very manual. We've seen the pictures, right? It's the the folks standing at the rig site. There's a lot of paper. There's pencils. There's a lot of talking back and forth on the radio. You look at where we now, every single system on that rig is automated. Everything that's happening downhole, there's data being collected. So you're making decisions on what's happening downhole, even though you can't see it. You're still collecting the data. You're seeing it real time. You're making decisions real time. When it comes to how you're going to pick where you're going to drill, where you're going to drill to, all of that's now completely informed by data. You've seen it in exploration results. You've seen it in the profitability that comes out of the wells afterwards. The entire thing is either automated or collecting data automatically so that you're actually doing it and making decisions in real time, much more informed decisions. It's completely changed the way a drilling rig operates. Interesting. I think also there's a lot to be said about, I'm sure you
1: both have heard of the Consumer Electronic Conference that goes on in Vegas once a year. It's huge. It's massive. But a lot of that technology that's on display out there and a lot of that technology that's just evolving so quickly, a lot of it is spun and started in the energy industry oil and gas specifically with new technologies and and i wanted to to to, uh, point that out we uh, are going to take a quick break when we come back i want to get on the subject of the cloud and the internet you're listening to in the old patch radio show and we'll be right back The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy.
0: Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call Agreco or online agreco.com.
1: And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Uh, we are joined in studio today with Michelle from Chevron and Nate from Deloitte. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the internet and the uh, just this explosive place. Um, how is data being delivered tracked and shared amongst organizations and and more importantly there's a new buzzword right the cloud was well, probably old but I'm saying it's fairly new to me the cloud how does a business succeed using the cloud so Nate let's start with you Deloitte is a very unique company it's a consulting company so how how do you guys operate in this space sure. with customers
3: we, we certainly have found that uh, it's getting more. Let's say pre-cloud to start, most companies tried to operate their own infrastructure, where they had servers and large facilities where they stored and kept a lot of their. I remember uh, the, those days. <laughs> these were these were very impressive places to go, with uh, these raised floors and lots of security, and so there were there were lots of fun to work with. At the same time, they were also expensive. And the advancements that a lot of companies have made out there in operating that infrastructure have made the costs much, have reduced the costs substantially, increased security substantially, and also the thinking people don't think about as much is increased your variability. So it used to be that if you wanted more capacity, you had to expend a lot of money to put that capacity in place. Now, if you want what would have been supercomputing type capabilities, you can in essence order it for a few hours and then turn it back off. And that gives a lot more flexibility to companies. That's all what we're talking about when we get to the cloud. So we get engaged is helping companies make decisions as to how to do that and accelerating their path. And so we certainly seen two layers to this. In a lot of uh, companies, there's the basic layer of business computing, everything from email to spreadsheets. And those, in many cases, have moved to cloud-based services, as opposed to companies maintaining it themselves. But also, especially for us in the oil and gas industry, as we take a look at geosciences, which are honestly some of the most process-intensive, some of the most intensive computing anyone does on the planet, this gives a lot of flexibility of being able to to stand up that heavy, heavy, uh, high-performance computing very quickly and shut it back down when it's not needed.
1: I think for a lot of companies also, it's, I think I should be moving in this direction, but I need to be consulted and make sure that I'm going in the right step before I waste a lot of time, energy and money in that area and find out I was wrong. So, you know, it is important to have, I think a second opinion, especially in this day and age when technology is coming along faster and faster, there's different programs coming on. It's really hard to stay abreast on everything. Michelle, how is Chevron in this space? And and I'm assuming this is probably your niche.
4: We're, we're moving to the cloud. As Nate said, a lot of it is efficiencies. Like when you look at the the kind of the IT efficiencies, there's a lot there. Uh, it's got some security advantages that some people aren't necessarily familiar with. Uh, from my operational background, the thing that actually excites me the most, though, is to take you back to how we collect some of the data. It used to be if you wanted to collect data, you had to hardwire something into the machine, whether it was the rig or the well or the facility. Nowadays, if you imagine your Fitbit or your Nest at home, there's things that you can just magnet to the side of a piece of equipment, and it will send data directly to the cloud. So you can take some of the older equipment, and instead of having to replace it or completely renovate it, you can actually add sensors that are sending the data directly to the cloud. They're cheap. You get direct access to the data. You get it in real time. And with the cloud, the same as when you're at home and you can access stuff on your phone... I can now access my data on the phone or on my computer, whether I'm in Houston or on the rig site out in Midland. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit about. Um, you hear a lot, uh, especially there's so
1: many conferences right now. Um, I think Deloitte last year, y'all you had your conference it was focusing around technology, IA, learning machines, sensors. How engaged is Chevron? And and I guess Nate, for you, I'd like to really uh, understand how engaged Deloitte is. In this area as well, I'm assuming an expert, but are you guys actually doing it for them or are you um, helping them move to that? or whatever the client wants, I'm assuming.
3: I I can start. Certainly our job is to help always. And that's the fundamental simple thing about Deloitte. We're here to accelerate and help people be more successful. So we help in a lot of different ways. Uh, And so you've asked a lot of questions, Kim, about explain to me how this works or how does the cloud affect my life? And so the same things get asked by companies, but on a bigger level. And so as you're considering investments, considering how to direct your workforce, we're there to provide advice and counsel on how you could do that. The other thing, of course, is we provide services where we can accelerate how you're moving there. Uh, We're in the business of, uh, for instance, helping implement a cloud service, you don't necessarily, you, you are hopefully in the business of operating an oil company. And so it's an area where we can exchange value. Makes sense. So across the industry, we're also engaged to help connect people with ideas. And so we also do our own original research to say where where will this be going and where should you invest as well? So all that comes together.
1: Very interesting. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, Michelle, I'd love to get into what is Chevron doing in this area as well. Uh, you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us info at shalemag.com.
1: Hi, this is Kim Bellato, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Do you have questions on global warming? How about seismicity, air quality, water issues? What's OPEC? What's OPEC Plus? Oil prices and gas prices? You probably have a bunch of questions. And now there is a place for you to go and ask your questions and get answers. Starting every second Saturday of the month at 2 p.m., we will have a live call-in show in which John Tatera, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, will be joining me in studio to answer all your questions. So be sure to take advantage of getting your most important oil and gas questions answered live and join us on the show. The call in live line is 210-526-3656. Again, the call in live number is 210-526-3656. Be sure to call in at 2pm. If you want more information how to call in live or the phone number again, be sure to email us at radio at shalemag.com. That's radio at shalemag.com com, or just go to our facebook page in the oil patch radio show you'll find the information there as well would love to talk to you every second saturday at 2 p.m so be sure to call in i'd love to get your questions answered so be sure to call in at area code 210-526-3656
0: and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org.
1: We're back. You're listening to End the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today, uh, Michelle from Chevron and Nate from Deloitte. Before the break, we were talking about innovation and how uh, Chevron has been taking full advantage of it, which is awesome. Uh, Nate, talk to me a little bit about drones. You, this is a, a big area. We see a lot of use. But how is the energy industry taking advantage of this technology as well?
3: Sure. Uh, Just to ground everyone, I think a lot of us have been at home and had a a seven-year-old fly a drone for the living room. So, everyone has a good perception of how inexpensive and easy to use this technology is. And certainly, if you go a little bit higher up, you can put cameras and uh, even other extended sensors on those. So, um, Michelle, before, was talking about safety. And safety is certainly the safety and reliability, the two of the top concerns I see across all of my clients in oil and gas and chemicals. So a good, easy example is that in a lot of cases, oil and gas companies and chemical companies have to do inspections, inspections of major equipment that's very tall, hard to reach. And so typically what's happened in the past is they either have to use ladders or build extensive scaffolding. And that scaffolding takes sometimes days to assemble and certainly costs a good amount of money. And then even after you have that in place and you have a worker who's being safe in their behaviors, it's still at risk. Comparatively now, in terms of using drones, taking a drone Taking it out of the case, flying it up, doing a visual inspection of what you need to check, and then flying it back down takes minutes. And also, we're talking hundreds of dollars as opposed to potentially multiples of that in terms of the older ways of doing things. The other thing we've seen is a lot in the midstream area. Oil and gas, of course, is a a big industry. So as we're thinking about long-distance liquids or gas pipelines that take oil and gas from where it's produced to where it's needed. In the past, we had a lot of situations where those companies have to do overflights, literally propeller planes flying over these pipelines to keep an eye on them and make sure they're safe. In this case, using a drone to get the people out of those airplanes, so you're taking better pictures, more extensive sensor packages, can increase the frequency of those inspections, bring the cost down as well. So people are taking a deeper look and generally improve reliability of the entire industry.
1: Wow. Let's talk blockchain. So I think by now the listeners are understanding how really high tech oil and gas is. Uh, This is not an antiquated industry at all. It's actually cutting edge in every uh, way. Uh, Blockchain is no different. It's a fairly new term, it's buzzing. Uh, What is blockchain? How is the industry utilizing it?
4: What is blockchain? That's always the, the, that's that's a hard question. It's not Bitcoin. A lot of people think that blockchain means Bitcoin. Blockchain is a, if you think of it as a new technology, as a way to just track where things are going or where they came from digitally. Uh, Chevron has joined a blockchain consortium called VACT, and it's a partnership between a few oil companies. And we're working together. We're actually looking to see how can you use blockchain in the financial region? How can you do it in procurement supply chain, actually tracking how goods move? Uh, How can you do it in Trading, where you're actually selling your your cargoes of oil. There are lots and lots of applications for when you would want to track something from origin to where it gets received, whether that's money, stuff, or oil, and we think blockchain is a a great solution for how to track things digitally. Nate, tell me
1: your interpretation of blockchain, because my thought was blockchain was a process that was gonna streamline things like supply, uh, supplies, how to get and and take out a lot of potential theft and just become more efficient. You mentioned, uh, Michelle, you mentioned a lot of things, but you didn't mention that one. So I'm like, so blockchain is just this huge thing. (laughs)
3: It's, first of all, there's a lot of fantastic math behind blockchain that I'm sure your listeners would like to hear about in a different forum. So I I think the, the simple explanation is what all that math allows people to do is imagine a vast imaginary piece of paper. And that piece of paper is available for everyone to read. But what the math magic allows everything to do is that if I put something on the piece of paper and you can put something on the piece of paper and Michelle put something on the piece of paper, none of us can ever alter that. So it's a piece of paper we can all see and we can always trust what's there. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you and I were to make an agreement for me to sell you some oil, and we both wrote it down, we both can see that and none of us can check that. And a lot of the things that you're referring to in terms of inefficiencies, in terms of how it makes things safer, is that a lot of people spend a lot of time making sure that my copy of the contract and your copy of the contract are the same copy, and that we're both fulfilling the same terms of that. So if we all have this same copy that all of us can completely trust, because the math makes it safe, that enables a lot of different types of things. So here's an example. What used to happen is a company like Chevron, and company like Exxon would buy things from suppliers, sand, water, whatever it may be, that are shipped to a site. And we'll of them brought the the, the smartphone back into this as well. So, in the past, you would have had that worker show up in that truck, deliver those materials, and there would be a signature on a piece of paper saying, I deliver those materials and everyone agrees, and then we'd be matching those contracts and doing lots of work. In the new world, what might happen is the GPS on that person's truck would come into range of that facility. Both would agree that that GPS indicated the material were there. The sensors on the material would show that they were delivered. And then both sides would update that blockchain shared piece of paper saying, ah, goods received. And then the computers would come in and say, instead of taking weeks and months to process more paperwork for billing and everything else, Mm -hmm. then maybe the money comes right across to compensate for that. And maybe also a signal goes back into that supplier saying, we need to order more material for the next time we get that call. And so blockchain enables – now, what I'm just describing might be called a smart contract, but that's the stuff that blockchain enables.
1: How much of the oil and gas sector would you say is utilizing blockchain, the majority of all the majors? I'd say the interesting thing
3: for is that uh, all of our clients are certainly looking at blockchain. Uh, as Michelle mentioned VACT, and we think that's going to be uh, a very successful one. Deloitte is, of course, a partner of VACT as well. So we're right. – uh, putting our own efforts uh, behind that statement. We uh, see two areas where most oil and gas companies are spending time. There's both the the, uh, supply chain side that I have described. The other side is what we would usually call their supply and trading arm. And so as you're shipping oil out uh, or gas out to your customers, how are you forming those contracts and executing them? Now, do we see a lot of people, has it gone all the way? No, but we think there's going to be a lot of work happening in the next two to three years. The final thing I'll throw in there is, we, uh, at least I, I as a participant in the industry, spend a lot of time talking to other industries as well. Financial services has done a lot in this. So the banks and the investment houses, we know how much progress they've made, so we know the technology's proven, so there's a lot of confidence that the same things happen in oil, gas, and chemicals.
1: Interesting. We do have to take a quick break. When we return, we're gonna get back on to predictive analytics. Stay tuned, you're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Join Shell Magazine and in the Oil Patch Radio Show in partnership with local and regional partners and organizations to get an update on the state of the energy industry. The State of Energy event is being held on July 18, 2019 from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Omni Houston Westside Hotel. State of Energy's keynote speaker for the luncheon is former U.S. Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke. Visit shellmag.com and click State of Energy on the main menu for more information about the event, to purchase tickets, and for sponsorship opportunities. You can also call 210-240-7188 for more details. So join us at the State of Energy Luncheon July 18th, 2019 at 1030 a.m. at the Omni Houston Westside Hotel seats and tables are going fast so be sure to visit shallmag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com before it's too late see you there and we're back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show I, I want to get on a topic that's buzzing too which is predictive analytics tell me a little bit about your thoughts on predictive analytics
4: to me this is one of those things the best way to explain it so, so we're all used to think of an old car where the oil light or the maintenance light may come on after 10,000 miles so it wasn't intelligent. It just, when you hit 10,000 miles, the light came on. It was time to take it in for a service. If you think of a new car now, the new car is tracking all sorts of things. You've got tire pressure, oil pressure, Tell temperature. Tell about it. <laughs> your, your car is a giant supercomputer. It now knows in advance if something's going wrong. You don't have to wait to get the flat tire. You know when one of your tires is starting to go flat. Well, if you apply the same concept to uh, the oil wells, if you apply them to the big facilities, the big plants, imagine instead of needing to take down equipment every so often, the 15,000 mile mark, or you take it down once a year, you only take it down when you actually get an indication that something negative is happening. It even tells you so far in advance that you've got enough notice to plan for it. So now my equipment doesn't just break down. You're not stuck with the car that doesn't drive. You go, oh, look, based on previous data, I've got about two months. Let me make sure I've got the parts and the people here so that when we're ready to take it down. That means you can run your equipment longer. It also means you're more prepared when it is time for maintenance because you had everything staged and ready. It wasn't unexpected. And so if you bring together all of the other things we've talked about today, you've got the new data that's being sent to the cloud, you've got the sensors that are collecting it, you've got your smartphone where you can look at it, it can send you an alert to let you know about your equipment and and you can run everything so much healthier. The area of predictive analytics, at least within Chevron, it saved us at least 40 million last year Wow. So, so you start looking at these numbers and it's it's definitely worth it.
3: I'll I add to that, it, there's uh, the money, there's also the safety. So when things fail, things go wrong. And so anything that helps prevent those failures is very important to every one of our clients.
1: Backing up just a little bit, Michelle, you were talking about how predictive a car is if you have a new car. And it is somewhat overwhelming because it, it, my car tells me when I have a low tire. And that's not something that we're traditionally used to. But to think about the safety aspect, especially in an area that typically a lot of perception out there is that it's not that safe or it's not that high tech. And to see that uh, with all the modern technology that's coming online, that not only is the energy sector taking advantage of it, but it truly is changing the way the industry has been doing business or the way the industry will do business in the future. Um, but you know, it also is interesting to me because the perception is with especially millennials and the and the younger folks that oil and gas is not high tech and it's 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 just you know not an area I want to go into. It's actually it seems like to me just cutting edge, a, a high paying jobs and a, a a really great career if you're into these things, which most of the millennials and the younger generation really are how is the energy industry uh, attracting or or how do you think this will be an attraction for you guys in the future? And how much is Deloitte actually using this field with the millennials and the younger generation uh, to capitalize on this? So uh, certainly,
3: I think the energy industry can be very inspiring in terms of the scale and scope of what it does and how fundamental it is to the world economy. Uh, Without energy, we can't do much of anything, and at the same time, it's interesting to think about how digital can help, let's say, a retail store operate, but if you think about the tens of thousands of people who can operate in an oil and gas facility and how much impact they're having on the nation they're within, I think that can be inspiring to someone who's deciding what industry to enter into. So if you want to have a huge impact, oil and gas is a great place to be.
4: Do you know, this is what attracted me into the industry. It is global. You're solving global energy challenges. Uh, we we often say we're solving energy poverty around the world. We, we sometimes don't appreciate that here within the United States. And the technology we use, especially on the digital front, You have amazing tools at your disposal to solve some of the most complex challenges. Uh, The energy industry, it's widespread. It's complex. You're working on wells that go thousands of feet into the ground. You've got complex facilities. If you're looking for a challenge and an opportunity to use technology, uh, work with data, it's an amazing industry to be a part of. And we're starting to see that more and more as we talk about the digital side of things. I think it it does attract millennials. And I think both do, both the vision uh, that we are helping to solve energy poverty around the world, but also the high-tech nature and the complex problems.
3: I'll finish it by saying I love my job and I have fun every day. So to any millennials who are listening today, if you want to have more fun, give me a call.
1: (laughs) Yes. Go to work for Deloitte or Chevron. And I think that is, uh, for me, the conclusion of the show is there is a belief that you cannot stay on the cutting edge of technology, if you were to go into oil and gas, it's a boring profession. It doesn't pay very well. It's very blue collar. It's actually the opposite. It's totally the opposite. This is where, honestly, you're going to heighten your skills is in this energy industry. And and I loved when you said, Michelle, the industry is really helping the world on in a global sense, Uh Countries who don't have access to clean water, um, their their infant mortality rate is higher. So when we don't have access to energy countries, they really it has a negative impact on them, and their life expectancy is cut short, too. So it is an important topic, and if you care about what's going on in the world and you want to make a difference, this is a really great place to start. So it's so fun to see the energy industry just continue consistently challenging itself and making it more efficient and better. I'd like to thank you both for being a guest on the show today, and I look forward to coming back with you guys and talking a little bit more. Um, Everything is changing so quickly, so I'm sure we could have you back in studio and talk about a hundred more new technologies that are coming online that you guys are are using and taking advantage of and and also consulting with. Thank you for being a guest today.
3: Thank you, Kim. It's been great talking to you. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you. That's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news insightful interviews until then adios
3: you'll
0: hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch